0: After a year of researching the Feda brothers and their web of companies sending mail solicitations to customers across the country, I found myself asking exactly the question hundreds or thousands of people who have opened up their mailings have probably asked themselves. Is this a scam? I realized the irony. I'm Emily Lawler, a reporter with MLive.com who has been looking into three Michigan brothers, Stephen, Joseph, and Thomas Feta, whose companies solicit businesses to purchase products and services they sometimes don't need or can get elsewhere for free. The FEDAs, through their attorneys, declined to be interviewed for this podcast. At this point, I've read hundreds of pages of court documents, talked to dozens of people, and poured over press releases from states I've never set foot in. And I'm still stumped on what kind of enterprise I've poured all of that investigative energy into. I asked Abigail Stumpson, director of the National Attorneys General Training and Research Institute Center for Consumer Protection at the National Association of Attorneys General, how she differentiated these things. So I wanted to ask just like broadly and I guess sort of philosophically in, in the realm of consumer protection, um, you know, you spoke about the need to protect those legitimate businesses um, how do you draw the line between a legitimate business and a scam?
1: Uh, legitimate businesses follow the law. Okay. I mean, you could you could add a lot more to that, but um, you know, you want to protect those, or at least again, ensure a fair marketplace for those that are following the statutes that um, you know the government has approved.
0: But applied to the companies run by the Feta brothers, that's not an easy litmus test for me. I'm a swimmer. When I do backstroke, I try my hardest to stay in the center of the lane, but I can't see the direction I'm traveling in and it's disorienting. Once or twice a lap, I find myself reaching back and hitting a lane line instead of clear water. That's how I think about these companies' relationship with the law. They stay inside that line of legality, But every so often, they go to take that next stroke and hit an attorney general, telling them they've veered out of compliance. Often, they'll enter into an assurance of voluntary compliance and come up with an agreement to stay inside that lane. And actually, that's not an extraordinarily strange position for entrepreneurs to be in. I spoke with Falguni Sen professor of strategy and director of the Global Healthcare Innovation Management Center at the Gabelli School of Business at Fordham University in New York. One of his focus areas is corporate ethics and transparency, which he pursues mainly in relation to pharmaceutical companies and drug pricing.
2: But, you know, because i work with innovations and I've worked on innovations all my life, ever since I gave up being a scientist into going into the social science world, uh, so entrepreneurship is something that has been of interest to me and, you know, entrepreneurship always pushes against the law uh, in the sense that it always pushes against like it tries to test the boundaries of what it can do, which is different to test to change the system too. So while that's all very good and interesting, it sometimes gets very questionable as to what is entrepreneurial and what's a scam.
0: On the surface, the FEDA companies do seem like they could be deceptive. They don't try to sell you their services on value or with glossy advertisements. It's those bland, governmental-looking mailers that can potentially be mistaken for government forms, despite containing a disclaimer. The mailers sometimes cite laws that can be intimidating. People send checks to mailboxes in their state capitals. You wonder how many people knew what they were purchasing was optional. Here's a June 2020 complaint from the Better Business Bureau's running record on LLPS Inc., the new name for the mandatory poster agency,
3: as voiced by a colleague of mine. I sent a check for $150 to this company, thinking it was a government office, to register my annual report. I received a document in the mail. I was led to believe that this was a document from a government agency. I sent a check for $150, which is the cost to register a corporation's annual report. I received a call from my accountant to say that it had not been registered and I could face a fine of $400. I then had to pay my accountant another $150 plus an additional $50 to register the report. When I researched the check cashing, it was documented that it was deposited remotely in the state of Michigan. I contacted Redacted at the Tallahassee location. They said that no payment had been received. Under further investigation, I found out that this company has scammed other individuals for the same issue. I'm a truck driver, so when I finally got home, in the mail was a flimsy binder and paperwork dated May 8, 2020, regarding papers for a corporate minute book. At the bottom of the page, it states, Notice. The preparations of minutes of annual meetings does not satisfy the requirement to file the annual report required by Florida Business Corporations Act 607.1622. The annual report and instructions may be found online. I can't believe that this company can blatantly operate in this manner. I just want my $150 back and will gladly return the minute book binder. My check of $150 was cashed May 8, 2020.
0: Here's how the company responded. Again,
4: as read by one of my colleagues. We apologize for any confusion. By law, all corporations organized under the laws of the state are required to retain certain documentation regarding shareholders and director meetings. The product we offer is a corporate record book for the purpose of electing corporate officers and directors without a meeting. Election of directors must occur in most cases on an annual basis. Each corporation is also required to have certain officers. We are a document preparation service that prepares corporate documents to fulfill these obligations. The service we provide may be provided by an attorney or an accountant, but generally at a higher cost. Our mailings clearly state in bold and in capital type on the envelope and throughout the mailing that we are not a government agency and do not have a contract with the government to provide the service. Our services do not include the preparation or filing of any state registrations, renewals, or annual reports for the corporation. This is a separate action that is done directly through the state. Regardless, we have a full refund policy for any of our products that are returned. The corporate records book may be returned to the address on the front cover of the binder. Upon receipt of the corporate records book, we will process a full refund. If there are any additional questions or concerns, please contact our customer service department. We do regret any misunderstanding or any inconvenience that may have occurred.
0: On one hand, it's clear to me the complainant didn't purchase this product on purpose. They thought it was a government agency asking for money. They misunderstood the solicitation or didn't understand that it was one. On the other hand, the company did provide a product and offer a refund when the customer wasn't happy. It's not like they took the money and ran. I think this is part of what's inherently difficult in labeling the solicitation businesses run by the Feta brothers and probably why it's continued for years and years. Add to that the fact that there's a lot of broadness in consumer protection law. As Abigail explained, it was put into the law on purpose.
1: In consumer, it is interesting, too, because state consumer protection laws were made to be very broad because they knew back in the 60s, which is when a lot of them were passed, um, that if you got too specific, then the scammers and bad actors are always going to be one step ahead of the law, right? Right. Um, And so they are written with words like unfair and deceptive and unconscionable. Uh, So those are terms that, again, can be broadly interpreted often. And so um, is there, you know, a bright line sometimes on what is legal versus what is illegal? You know, sometimes it's a little bit harder to say, and that's why we have courts. Right. The courts can say, yep, that was unfair or no, it wasn't unfair.
0: Coming at it from an ethics perspective, Falguni looks at harm. Who's the victim? How much money are they out?
2: Suppose I were to ask you that here is a company that says, we give you, we alert you to information. You can get some of these products anywhere else, but we facilitate their delivery to you. So we are a facilitator, somebody who alerts it, alerts you to it, uh, makes you realize that it is important. And technically, it's your responsibility to read the fine print and realize that we are really not part of the government. If you are stupid enough to not read the fine print and because the look and feel of our ad looks like it's a government agency, it's not really our fault. You should learn how to become more careful consumers. So I would argue to these people if I were to meet them and say, suppose you convert your company into a service company the charges commission, for information provided, and that you are doing exactly what you just said you did, and you advertised yourself as an information company, and you made it very clear that you are not connected, but that you had your resources, and that's why you're facilitating the whole transaction. What would be different? Would you charge less than 125? Is that where the difference would lie? Would you charge just $5 for it, and then hope for volume? Uh, what would really be different? Why is this, uh, it seems a scam somehow because it's 125. If it was five or even less, it wouldn't seem like a scam. It would seem like, okay, you're charging us a service and the harm to me could be very little. Now, people who fill this out, I do not know exactly the population, whether the harm to them caused. And so with ethics, I always look at what is the harm being caused to those who have no control over that particular harm, either because they've been fooled into thinking they have to do something, right? Or they really have to do something. And, uh, and somebody is charging, like the EpiPen guy charging, or, or insulin being charged at 5,000 times the amount, I have to take my insulin, and eat, this is the only way I can get it. I have to bankrupt myself to get it. So what is the harm being created? And that's where the ethical issue really focuses for me. And here I feel in some ways reading it carefully and not wanting to say that, but if it is not a legal issue, if it is not any of that, if they're really providing a service and they charge appropriately, so it's a pricing issue. The ethics is a transparency issue and a pricing issue. If they did that, I probably would have had less problems with what they were doing. If, if, if I felt that the intent was not to fool but to get a market positioning, And and sometimes, you know, that's why I said between entrepreneurship and scams is sometimes a a thin line because, you know, what you might think is I'm being entrepreneurial, I'm kind of, you know, uh, telling them why they need this desperately, but then I'm putting on, I'm making them think I'm somebody else than who I really am. And, And then charging them an amount that could actually, they could have used for something else that was of greater value to them.
0: I asked Amanda Caldor, the fitness coach from the beginning of the podcast who almost sent off her money, how she felt about it. She wrestled with the question like I'm wrestling with the question. But one effect of the mailing she almost fell for is that she's more cautious about all the mailings she gets now. I look at everything with a fine tooth, especially to my business, because there's so many flyers and things that they want to sell you as a small business that aren't legit and they don't even they don't even realize what business I'm I am. i am like, I don't need this. I'm never buying this. Why are you wasting your money and sending this to me? <laughs> so, but yes, I am much more cautious and I I have things set up for myself to remind myself to do certain things and not to be looking for outside services to do them. And if I do need an outside service to do something, I'm really careful. The truth is, when it comes to whether the companies run by the brothers are innovative or deceptive, I don't have an answer. Like so many state attorneys general and business organizations and state regulators before me, instead, I have a warning. If you get a mailing like this, read the fine print. Know about the three brothers from Lansing who have been sending these out for decades. And be careful. This podcast is a project of MLive.com, the number one online news source in Michigan and home of the Grand Rapids Press, Flint Journal, Jackson Citizen Patriot, Bay City Times, Saginaw News, Kalamazoo Gazette, Ann Arbor News, and the Muskegon Chronicle. Support local journalism by becoming a subscriber at MLive.com slash subscribe.